0: Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How is it going, my brother?
1: Everything is well, man. How you doing?
0: I'm uh, doing good as well, man. Just took a little walk, man. Like 30 minutes on this track. Uh, you remember Walter Lutheran, right? It's a track right there, man. Yeah. It was pretty cool, man. Uh, but also, we have a special guest, uh, uh, Mr. Sean Jenkins. How's it going, brother?
2: I'm doing well. How is everyone today?
0: Yeah, doing good. Doing well. All right, so uh, if you could tell us, Sean, uh, how many kids you got, what are their ages, and uh, what do you do for a living?
2: Well, um, let's see. My natural child, well, let's see, kind of a sad story. My natural child actually passed away. He was my son, way back in um, 1995, to be exact. But um, I recently got married back on the 11th of September, so now I've inherited two stepsons. So
1: Congratulations. Thank you. On the thank marriage. You.
0: Thank you. How old are the stepsons?
1: One is 24,
0: the other is 25. Yeah, I just said uh, they're pretty much out the nest at this point. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have their own house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nice. So, so what are those
1: d- dynamics like with having, um, you know, older uh, stepsons?
2: You know, what's funny is that I always told myself that I would never <laughs> be hooked up with a woman that had children. But um, this woman, we've known each other for 17 years. Um, and, you know, she's the love of my life. And I always believe that when you do find the love of your life, you accept everything, you know, and I get along with her sons just fine, you know, um, the relationship probably could be better, but you know, we're all just, we just got married and we're all just kind of still ripping and running around, so to speak. So it's kind of hard for us right now to interact, so to speak, but, um, for the most part, we're all just doing good, you know.
1: That's good. How, um, so how old were the boys when you uh, like entered the picture? Oh gosh, they were still teenagers at the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did they ever They're... get did they ever give you like a hard time like uh you know, you're not my dad or that's that type of stuff?
2: No, I'm never. Nothing like that. Nothing like, like that you. at all. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no. <nah. laughs> yeah, their mother and I um we um We've had sort of a tumultuous relationship through the years, but, um, you know, thank God it's gotten way past that. We've gotten married and whatnot. And, um, when I first met her sons, um, you know, they were just kind of, you know, skittish. I think we all were at the time and their mother and I, we kind of broke apart for a little bit and came back together. But, um, everything, you know, is just kind of coming back, you know, kind of falling into place, I believe, right now. It could be better, but, you know, time heals a lot of things.
0: Mute. Uh, Charlotte, uh, tell me uh, or tell us a little bit about uh, your dad. How how was your relationship with your dad? Oh, boy. Well, (laughs) I
2: always tell people that for the first, say, 15 years of my life, my father was in and out, in and out of my life. And then when I turned about, say, 15, 16, um, I never, I stopped seeing them, you know. And I'll admit for a number of years um, after that, I was just, I didn't care about them. Um, there was a lot of anger, but, um, you know, thank God I got him over that anger. You know, um, growing up, my father I always saw him as a, as a bully figure, so to speak. Um, just not a very nurturing man at all. And I always felt growing up that, you know, everyone I had in my life growing up, when it came to my mother, my grandmother, and my baby sister was always there. So I never felt that I needed anyone outside of that circle. But um, once again, as time, like I said, you know, time heals all wounds. And the older I got, I began to, you know, forgive my father, so to speak, and just move on from all of that. But um, as far as the relationship with my father, it never, it never materialized, and you know that's always a shame. But um, it's something that's never really, you know, held me back or stopped me from living my life. You
1: know, <clears throat> so um, is her father, is he still alive?
2: I believe he is. I, I have no contact with the man whatsoever, none. Um, even when my mother passed away in 2013, um, never heard from him. So, you know, I really don't know. If he is, God bless him. If he is gone, God bless him still. You know, Mm -hmm. I I no longer hold any grudges.
0: Mm -hmm. So, who um, who would you say would be uh, would be an example of like a good, like a mentor, uh, like a male role model that you had growing up? If it wasn't your dad, oh gosh,
2: I don't think I really had any male role models growing up. My grandfather. Um, my grandfather was around, bless his heart, um, before he passed on. But um, he was really my granddad was really the only male figure in my life. I wouldn't so much say he was a role model. Um, but he was there, you know, so to speak, until his passing. But I think I don't know. And I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing. But me growing up, I was always kind of a loner and i never really felt like i needed anyone now that was when i was younger as i got older i started to see things a bit differently and i think as i became older i started to be i think a lot of younger people started looking up to me so to speak but as far as myself is concerned growing up once again When I had that circle, me, my sister, my mother, my grandmother, I never really looked outside of that, so to speak. I think as far as a male role model is concerned, I just, I never felt that I needed one. And I don't want, I don't ever want to sound self-righteous or arrogant in saying that. It's just, I think that's the way my life always kind of rolled along.
0: Gotcha. So, um, so when your dad came back in, around, you said you had a mix of kind of a mix of emotions. Uh, how, after he left again, how, how did you process those emotions? Like uh, what, what, what steps did you take to you know, kind of get over it? Because it sounds like you're pretty much over it now. Like what, uh, what process did you have or, or what steps did you take to, to get to that level? It took a lot of years, it took a lot of years and a lot of, um,
2: you know, there was a lot of um, anger, you know, so to speak, because once again, for the first 15 years of my life, um, I saw him as nothing more than a bully. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a, a nurturing father. And I felt like, you know, when he finally stopped coming around, it was like, I felt like, you know, hallelujah, you know, just leave me alone. And for years after that, you know, it was just, you're out of sight, out of mind to me. But once again, I, you know, I give all praise to God, you know, that anger, all that venom inside of me, I just let it go. I just let it go. And I just finally said, you know, Lord, I give it all to you, you know, and whatever hostility I I held towards my father, it's no more. You know, I said, I, I've let a lot of hostility in my life go. You know, so when, when it pertains to my father, so to speak, and, you know, this may sound kind of cold, but unless someone mentions my father, I don't really think about the man. You know, I wish him, if he's still in this world, I wish him nothing but the best. I really do. I have no anger towards him anymore. But um, as far as me processing it is concerned, you know, once again, it's all about God, God leading me towards forgiveness, you know, and I, I used to ask the Lord, I said, well, Lord, why do you want me to forgive him so much? Because first off, the Lord told me, he said, first off, because I forgave you. And I said, well, okay, fine. <laughs> so forgiving my father pretty much became simple after that.
0: Gotcha. Man, yeah, that's powerful to to be able to uh you know process all those emotions and uh forgive him after all that you know after all mm-hmm. that uh that he did or didn't do for you mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a powerful thing to do yes now um speak to speak to us about uh if you say your son your your uh biological son he died when he in ninety five you said yes
2: Actually,
0: Was he ninety five yeah wow okay was that uh, how old was he when that when that when that happened he was um actually two weeks old when that happened oh okay, so he's a baby yeah yeah basically okay uh how did that how did you process that you know from having a son to that happening and uh like how long did that take for you to kind of uh you know get to a place of, a place of peace if you will
2: mm. well let's see i i think yeah i think Number one, at that time, I was uh, I was um twenty years old, you know, I was still still a child myself. And when he passed on, and I, I tried I think one of the things I always tried to do back then was, well, he was only here for two weeks. But, you know, what a lot of people always tell me is that, well, you know what, Sean, for those two weeks, you made a bond with your son. And they were 100% right, I did. So after he passed on, I, um, like with me and his mother, so with um, my mother, with his mother and whatnot, um, yeah, you know, we were together, so to speak, when we were young, and just, not really, we were just out of our heads and whatnot. We really didn't know how to deal with such a thing as losing our child, so to speak. So we eventually broke apart. And I went on for the rest of my life just, um, I don't want to say trying again, but I just, I don't know. I think for me as a father who lost a child, I really internalized that. Mm-hmm. I did my best to internalize it. And for so many years, I did not speak about it. I didn't want to be around anyone's children, so to speak. I didn't want to talk about children. And then eventually there came a point where once again, the Lord kind of brought me to the forefront to say, you need to deal with this, Sean. Well, I said, well, why do you want me to deal with something that, you know, I want to forget about? And I said, well, then again, I don't want to forget about my own child. You know, so as far as you know me, you never get over the loss of your child. I don't care if they've been here for two weeks or for 50 years, you never get over the loss of your child. And to this day, 2021, um, it's something that I still feel, something that still pretty much stings. But I'm at the point now where I love children to death. I do. (laughs) I love those people. But I have to look at it in an unselfish sort of manner. With my wife and I now, we've both come to the agreement that we're not, quote unquote, trying to have a child. But if it were to happen, we would love that child to death without a doubt. But I'm also looking at, you know, the way this world is today, no matter how you feel about what's going on in our world today or in our country, so to speak, I don't think I want to bring my child into this world that's going on. You know, once again, if it were to happen, thank God. If it doesn't, I'm going to live my life regardless. And I'm going to be happy.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, thank God either way. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> wow, man, that's powerful, man. Um, now how how would you say um, your relationship is with your with your stepsons? Like, how do you approach uh, maybe giving them advice about certain things? Well, let's see. Both of
2: them. Um, one of them I get along with just fine. The other one, um, he's pretty standoffish. I think he has a um. I don't think he's really gotten over the fact that um, his mother, my wife, and his father have split apart, so to speak. Add to the fact that my wife, is she is white. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he has a problem, you know, with my race, so to speak. Um, You know, years ago when we first, you know, when his mother and I were dating, he and I got along just fine. But I think um, as time went by, I think there's just something there that just kind of kind of tore him apart from us, so to speak. So, um, like I said, her youngest son and I, you know, we get along perfectly. We really do every time we meet up and whatnot. But once again, I leave everything in God's hands. And um, I think with her oldest son, he's got a lot to sort out. It's not just me. There's a lot going on in his life that um, needs to be sorted out, and I'm always praying. I, I really do. I really am. And um, you know, you can't expect everyone to like you. <laughs> you know, that's just life. That's just life. You know, but as time goes on, things change. So it's not going to stop. You know, it's certainly not. Gonna, it doesn't affect my wife and I. So,
1: so do your uh, do your stepsons have children?
2: Um, the oldest one does he has um two of them
1: how is that relationship? um I know you were saying like he's kind of standoffish uh, towards you does yeah. he um does he allow like the kids to be around or like how how does that work? Well, his situation with his children
2: is um his oldest son is no longer in his life, and um his daughter. I, I, once again, I don't really get a chance, to, we don't really get a chance to see each other because we're always working, but um, I've only seen his daughter one time, mainly because um, there's some friction with the daughter's mother and he, so it's it's a whirlwind, it really is. Yeah, I, I haven't
1: seen his son in years, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how how is, like, um, I guess, uh, being a, a grandfather, like, um,
2: <laughs>
1: I know that you, you say you haven't really seen the, the kids, but how does that stand, you know, stand with you, that you're a granddad? I think it's awesome. You know, I, I really do wish, you know, he and the mother
2: of his children, you know, would get along better. Because, you know, I, I love spoiling kids. I really do. And, you know, just... <laughs> you mentioning and being me being a granddad and whatnot, I said, you know, especially with Christmas right around the corner, you know, I, I, I would love to spend the holidays with them. You know, I really would. But it's really a matter of him and his baby's mama's situation. It's not so much me as it is those three. So, but, you know, being a grandfather, I think that's awesome. I, it really is.
0: Yes, right around now is when they start, you know, making those de facto Christmas lists to Santa. <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> My kids or to Yeah. Or to me. Or to me, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I know uh, earlier in the conversation you were saying, like, you grew up as more of a loner. Mm-hmm. And, like, you felt like you necessarily didn't um, need people when you were younger or needed mm-hmm. anyone else when you were younger. But um, I guess as you grew, you learned that you did. So, what was that one thing, or um, that I guess that gave you that awareness that you do need, you know, people? What What happened? If there was, was something that happened,
2: yeah, uh, it was something. Um, it was Jesus for one. I think the older I became, because I've been through a lot of relationships, failed relationships, and that put a bitterness inside of me and there came a point where I se I segregated myself from people the only time I ever saw people was either at work or at church and then I went home and to be with, with myself and I eventually came to the conclusion that this is not how life is meant to be lived it's not how it's meant to be lived And the Lord, he opened my eyes to that realization. But then I looked back at the Lord. I said, well, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? (laughs) You want me to go knocking on people's doors? You know, will you spend time with me? Do you want to do this? No, no, no. I had to first get this bitterness out of me. I had to first come to the conclusion that I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life. And I needed to change for the better. And once that purging process began with me, that's when I think that's when my heart started opening up. And I started, you know, just saying, you know, I don't like that man I used to be or that young man I used to be. I want to move forward. And the more I started doing that and the more I started opening myself up to other people, so to speak, the right people. You just can't open yourself up to everyone. It's got to be the right persons. That's the more things started. That's the more doors that began opening for me. Mm.
1: Okay. Do you do you feel like um, you developed that be, as like a defense mechanism? I that
2: that used to be it. That really was it. You know, because like I said, I've had so many failed relationships in the past, and it was like, okay, I'm gonna put this shield up so you don't hurt me, so you don't hurt me, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But once again, I had to come to the conclusion that I was hooked up with the wrong individuals. You know? mm-hmm. Not to say that I was 100% perfect in these relationships, not at all. But at the same time, you can't you know, put yourself with someone that you know right off the bat is no good and expect good things to happen you know if, if that's impossible to happen it's ridiculous so there came a point in my life where i said okay i need to focus on me i need to just sit back and just stop the relationships and focus on what's important i need to start focusing on my relationship with jesus number one and then once that relationship is fully established then I knew that things would start moving forward. And they did. Because if you had told me that my wife, who at the time was just a friend, that we'd end up getting married, I'd have never believed you. Never in a million years, because when we were together before, we weren't very right for each other. We really weren't. We were both very opposite. And she and I had to come apart for a while so we could get ourselves straightened out. And then us coming back together was completely out of the blue. Never saw it coming, but it was a gradual thing. And we both came to Jesus. And we started to see something very, very peculiar in that. You know, no more, I must be blunt, no more were we sleeping together no more were we making out with each other no more will be doing the things that we used to do in a former life now we're doing things differently and when we started coming back together we came back together as friends first so when we started dating again there was nothing of the former you know we weren't having sex we weren't talking about sex we weren't doing all those things we did it differently and when we got married last month it was you know it was it was very beautiful it really really was because we knew for a fact that we were doing it the right way and i really do wish a lot of men would it took me a long time to realize that a long time to realize it. But I really do wish a lot of other men out there, you know, doesn't matter your race, if you're a man, you gotta start doing things the right way. You don't even have to believe in Jesus or, you know, be a religious person. But there's a right and a wrong way to do things. And as men, we just can't, you know, keep going from woman to woman to woman to woman to woman to woman, to woman like that. That's such a dangerous life to live. It really is. There has to come a point where you have to stop and say, you know what, I need to focus on what's important. I need to get myself together as a man first. And then everything after that will start to come piece together like a puzzle, you know, because women aren't going anywhere. They're going to be around for a long time. (laughs) Bless their hearts. (laughs) But we as men, we've got to learn to start, you know, Stop all this ripping and running around. We've got to start, you know, thinking more with our with our minds rather than with
0: our other anatomy. You know. So walk me through that time frame when uh, you stopped talking to your your wife. That's that's your wife now, and um, the time we all reconnected. Like, because um, it sounds like there's a lot of growth during that time for the both of you. Um, and what in what ways uh, did you work on yourself during that time well let's see i'll, I'll give you
2: a, I, I'll give you a good timeline here we started um, <laughs> in a relationships i'd say it um 2013 not was it i think yeah 2013 i believe and we started a um very <laughs> tumultuous relationship, I'll leave it <laughs> like that. <laughs> and um, it came in, about, I believe, about 2018 that we decided, you know, we've got to part. We've got to part because we're just not, we're not where we should be in our lives, in our relationship. And, uh, you know, I'll admit it hurt at first because I was really in love with her. But I, the more I grew, the more I began to realize that us coming apart for that little bit, for the three and a half years, was the best thing for us. It really was. And while we were apart, I, it, it, I can't tell you how much growth I as a man went through. You know, I thought I was going to be bitter in those three and a half years. And right as I was at the you know doorstep, doorstep of bitterness, that's when the Lord said, no, you're going to do this a different way. And the more I was apart from my girlfriend, the more I was started, you know, walking closer and closer with the Lord. Because the funny thing is I had given myself to God years ago, but I wasn't living like I was, you know, I wasn't living like the Lord wanted me to live. And I can admit that I'm not afraid or ashamed to admit that, you know, I've fallen down so many times, and each time the Lord has picked me right back up and He's rebuked me. You know, He's punished me. He's set me, He's disciplined me, and set me back on the right path again because I was wrong. And I'm not af- afraid to admit that I was wrong as a man, as a Christian, so to speak. So, those three and a half years we were apart, yes, they were lonely years. I'll admit that. But there were also years of growth for me. And I needed those years. Because when we came back together again, a few months back, it was just my whole attitude. Everything had just transformed. It was like, and you can ask her, I was just a completely different person. You know, once again, no sex, no flirting around, none of that that nonsense. We were just we just started brand new all over again, you know, and I think if you probably take this man that I am today (laughs) and go back to some of these exes of mine, they'll never believe that I've become this man. Never. But I'm, you know, I'm just so happy and grateful to be in the place I am now in my life.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Um, now, uh, there was a question that I asked already that you kind of answered, uh, so I want to read it for the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked you, uh, Sean, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, you say, even though I've yet to be a father, uh, I can say that fatherhood in, in my terms means standing up for what is right in the world, protecting all children from harm as uh, much as possible. So, uh, could you uh, elaborate on that a little more for me?
2: You know, <clears throat> I think throughout history it was always God's plan for the man to be the leader, the leader of his household, the leader of a community, no matter what it is. And I think unfortunately throughout history, men in general have, have kind of failed at that. And you look at Today's society with men, and so to speak, and you see a lot of men, particularly in the black community, who have you know given up their roles as fathers, so to speak. And you know, I don't want to put everything on the man's shoulders, but at the same time, we men—and once again, this isn't a race thing—we men have fa- we've dropped the ball a lot of, in a lot of ways. We really have, and we focused on the things that really don't matter in our lives. We men have got to stop, you know, we've got to be the leaders and the protectors of our children, of our families, of our communities. You know, we've got to stop this whole thing of, you know, chasing women, making babies, you know, not picking up where we're supposed to be picking up. We men, we're to be the, the example that these women look, look towards that these children look towards. It was always, that was always the plan that was always, you know, the way it was supposed to be. And if the world can't look towards a strong man, a strong male figure, then we leave it on the women's shoulders. And that's not right. I mean, that's not to say there aren't strong women out there. God knows. Yes, there are, but if a woman can't help, can't depend on a man, if a child can't look up to a man, it's hard to, for them to look up to anything else. And I think everything, the foundation begins to crumble. Maybe not, it's, I mean, you could take out the foundation of a house and the house won't crumble immediately, but as time goes by, bit by bit, piece by piece, that house begins to fall apart and i think that's what happens when the man is no longer involved in his family in the church in the community you know we men we have such an important role in this world in our communities in our homes but unfortunately a lot of men they don't realize that and i think today's world You know, you have a lot of people in the media and in Hollywood and the entertainment industry who are so against men, you know, they put men down, they make men like look like buffoons and so to speak. And I think, especially with these little boys, I think when they see that they don't they don't see positive portrayals of men anymore. It's I think that's what they see to aspire to become. No, that's not what you want to become. Once again, men need to start standing up, need to start protecting these young ones in these communities, in their neighborhoods, in their homes, so to speak. you got to quit letting your anger and your bitterness take the best of you. If you and your lady or wife or whatever you want to call them are having problems, fix the problems. Don't run away from the problems men are supposed to take care of the issues men are supposed to be be, be the providers everything that a man is supposed to be is something positive something that's strong you know something that's you know supposed to be lasting a lifetime men are supposed to be setting up legacies in their families
0: Yes, well put. Well put. Definitely, uh, we we are uh, definitely pillars uh, yes. in our community, and uh, being a good example because the kids are they always watching. Like, yes, uh, sir. <laughs> yes. like, yes, no they matter are. how 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 much you think your kid isn't paying attention, your kid is paying attention. Oh yes, they <laughs> are. <laughs> so uh, me and myself, I'm definitely aware of uh, you know what I do, especially when I'm around my kids, because I yeah. know uh, they're they're absorbing everything that that they see yeah uh, most definitely um, you kind of answered the next question I was going to ask was uh, basically going to be uh, what's your advice to any dad out there and you kind of pretty much spelled that out too. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'll be remiss if I didn't ask you this man I know uh, you're you're an author uh, what's a good book recommendation if you have to recommend a book or two
2: well let's say I used I used to um, write horror novels I don't really do that anymore. I write um, Christian novels now. The one that I have now, right now, it's on the um, for the Am- it's only for digital on the Amazon Kindle. It's called um, Jesus, Please Help Me, A Mother's Mountain, and um, it's a story about two mothers who lose um, their children. And um, that one's out now. The next story that will be out will be about um, two men. Um, that story would take place in the 1970s. It's about young, one young man who comes home from the Vietnam War and another young man who um, ends up losing his job, losing his home, and his family ends up on the streets. Each one of these stories will chronicle how the Lord brings, you know, brings these people through their trials and tribulations. What's that called? Are you, that's in the works. That one's in the works, yes. In the works, the, okay. Right, the one that's out now is called "Um Jesus, Please Help Me: A Mother's Mountain."
1: So, um, you say you used to write horror. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, like, who inspired you to get into like horror? Oh gosh, I grew up with just a, a
2: crazy mind. You you got to have a crazy mind to write that stuff. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is, I, I'm not. I can't sit here and say that I'm totally 100% done writing horror. I'm just kind of taking a sabbatical right now. Um, but I did, I did pin a, a werewolf trilogy that I really like a lot. Um, but yeah, you, you got to have a crazy imagination to write that. You really, really do.
0: You're so the so loner
2: phase,
1: huh? <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Since today is the first day of October, let's, uh, let me ask you, what's your favorite um, horror movie or horror story? Favorite horror movie would
2: have to be um, the movie called The Howling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, favorite story I would have probably have to say would be um, Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a way better book than the movie was. I I thought it was a very well-written story. And it's one of the few horror stories that's really actually really intrigued me and pulled me in. Hmm.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah. You that's know, weird. I don't think I ever uh, saw, I mean, I know what happens in it, but um, I never saw like uh, Rosemary's Baby, the movie or the uh, book. I yeah. didn't even know if it was a book. Yeah, yeah, it
2: was. Like I said, the movie's pretty good, but I, I, I think one thing I really love about the story is how how explanatory it
1: is so to speak
2: you know going into it and so to speak you know it really kind of digs deep into what they're what they're doing if you're really into that sort of thing
1: so you must like werewolves are werewolves like your uh (laughs) top uh movie monster (laughs) i I probably think
2: so yeah (laughs) okay I don't know. I don't know what made me write a, a werewolf trilogy because the funny thing about that is that I wrote that story in 2012 and I never started, you know, thinking oh, I can make this into a trilogy. But after I got done writing that first story, I said, you know, this can keep going on. I like this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, someone once asked me what was my favorite, the favorite book I've written. I'd have to say the, um, the second one to that, The, um, the Curse of 1977. I wrote that. I wrote that story in five months flat. I, what I is, love the
1: story. What is that about?
2: It's um. Well, basically, it's um. The whole trilogy is about a young man. It starts in the 1970s, and it's about a young man who um is released from a mental institution because he thinks he's a werewolf, mm-hmm. and so he goes goes on through life. He comes home, tries to restart his life with his family, only to realize that yes, he really is a werewolf. <laughs> And um, the sequel is about um, what takes place after the events of the first one, Um, how the palace family kind of, you know, copes with what took place, you know, him being a werewolf in the first one, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And the third and final story is um, how it all wraps up, you know, because it goes from the man, because he gets, spoiler alert, he gets killed in the first one. So now now it's his baby's mother who has to deal with, you know, the aftermath of this. And and the the third and final one, she ends the whole curse. So, yeah.
1: Mm. You know, now I'm looking at your, um, the icon you have, well, your picture. Yeah. It 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 makes sense now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Sean, I know we're getting close to time. I have one last question for you. Sure. Sure. Um, Like, if you can go back and have a conversation with the 21-year-old, the 20, 21-year-old you, what <laughs> advice would you give to, to that, Sean?
2: Make your women decisions a lot more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Please <Yeah>. do. <laughs> you know, once again, there's... Yes, we all want a relationship. We all want a a happy and successful relationship, but not at the expense of being hooked up with someone that you're not supposed to be hooked up with, you know? And if I could just go back and tell that young man, you know, please wait, please. I know it's hard. I know you get lonely and anxious sometimes, but please just wait on the Lord Please get your life in order. Get your career off the ground first. Um, you know, please put money in the bank first. <laughs> you know, just do everything you can to kind of stay away from the wrong people. You know, because bad company corrupts bad character. You know, so just you know. Once again, like I said, I I, I want I'm not going to say that I was a perfect person then either, but you know, two bad chemicals don't make a good one. So I tell them just please leave these relationships alone for a while. Focus on yourself.
0: Very wise words indeed. Yeah, definitely, Sean. I appreciate you for, for jumping on, for taking the time. Awesome. Uh, it's definitely been a, a great story. I guarantee you some guys out there that have a similar, uh, similar story to what you have here, and it's uh, going to help a lot of people out. I guarantee it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I loved it. Yeah, for sure. So, for myself, for Sir Royce Prialis, for oh, actually, before we wrap it up, uh, Sean, where can people find you if they want to find you on the web?
2: Um, well, I've got on Facebook. It's um, Sean A. Jenkins on Facebook. And um, all my stories, um, from the horror all the way to the Christian novels, are on Amazon. Just look up um, Sean A. Jenkins.
0: I'll provide a linkage uh, in the comments or description below. So thank you. And after that. So yeah, again, for myself, for Sir Royce Brialis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and for uh, Sean A. Jenkins, uh, definitely thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for further announcements. Thank you. Yes, yes. Sir Royce here. And I want to thank you again for listening to WTF Interviews. Leave a review as it helps more people like yourself receive the message. Also, consider donating to Welcome to Fatherhood. It's a nonprofit that myself and Dr. Rahim Young created to help dads showcase their superpowers to the masses. You can do that by going to wtfatherhood.org. Again, gratitude, and be well. You already are.